0: Hey, good evening. Welcome back to another week of studying uh, people of the promise, the divided kingdom here at Bible Study Fellowship. Great to have you with us. We're going to be looking at two of the southern kings of the kingdom of Judah tonight. We're going to look at Abijah, also known as Abijam, and also uh, his son Asa. So, with that, let me open in prayer and we will get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your word tonight. Lord, I pray that as we study these people who are historical figures from many generations ago, that you would help us to learn how we can live lives that are devoted to you, uh, that follow in the pattern of David as we look forward to forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the majesty of your word, for the people that wrote Kings and Chronicles, for the way that you've preserved them, and for the opportunity that we have tonight to come together and learn more from this this preserved word from you. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So, I I don't know what part of the country or the world you're from, but uh, in the places where I've lived in the United States... As you uh, become around the age of like 14, 15, 16 years old, you begin to prepare for a driver's examination test. And uh, as you're learning to drive a car, you're going to be practicing the skills that you need to pass that test, whether it's coming to a complete stop at a traffic Stop sign, using your blinker, driving the speed limit, knowing how to parallel park, knowing the rules of the road, how soon before I turn right or left, do I have to turn my blinker on you're you're going to go through this process of preparing uh, to demonstrate your ability to operate a vehicle safely because what happens in in this country is that a representative of the state, often the state police department, is going to come into your car with you and you're going to drive around the neighborhood or drive around town with that person riding and evaluating what you do and you know the things that you're going to do to prepare for them to be in your car are one you're going to demonstrate some good driving habits but you're probably going to clean your car out as well cuz you know that you're moving towards this moment when your driving ability is going to be evaluated and most of the time you want to do well and we we know sort of just experientially as we go through life you know what you do on that state driving test matters from a standpoint of getting your license or not getting your license. As that as the driving test becomes part of your past, as you move forward as a driver, some of those good driving habits that you developed as you were preparing for the test begin to fall away. Maybe you're not nearly as good at coming to a complete stop at a stop sign, or you you sort of know what the speed limit is and you drive above it. Or you know that you're using your blinker as a good idea, but you don't do it. And occasionally, uh, what will happen is that there are still representatives of the police department that are out there, and you might get a reminder that your driving not only matters when you're taking the exam, but the way that you drive, the things that you do matter as you go about and operate your vehicle on a day-to-day basis. We're going to look back tonight at two kings of the southern kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah. We're looking at Rehoboam's family now. We're looking at his son, Abijah, and then we're looking at uh, Abijah's son, Asa. We're going to look at their reigns uh, in the in the southern kingdom of Judah and I think the lesson that we want to learn as we look at them and as we think about the choices that they made as leaders of God's people, uh, I think what we want to learn is that God's people, people who are following God today, should be fully devoted to God. God's people should be fully devoted to Him. So, let's take a look. We're going to be in two different books of the Old Testament tonight. We're going to be looking at First Kings chapter 15. And then we're going to be looking at a, at a Second Chronicles verses thir- chapters thirteen through sixteen, uh, and, and, the, and so what we're doing this is this this process of looking at different books in the Bible is called harmonizing. So we're going to be harmonizing content from the Book of Kings and the Book of Chronicles to give a different picture, a maybe a more complete picture of the reigns of these two kings one of the challenges is is that we're looking at two different authors the the person that wrote kings and the person that wrote chronicles had some different objectives in mind and so they focused on different things so just know that when we harmonize books of the bible uh, it can give us a more complete picture, but it can also feel a little bit confusing because we're jumping from you know one author's perspective. The author of Kings is very concise and very brief and has very clear things that they want to say. The person in Chronicles does too, but they're looking at different things. So just know that we're going to be living in that tension of harmonizing as we go through to try to understand more about Abijah and Abijam. I think one thing that's super confusing about this right away is that we read last week about the sick son of Jeroboam. His name was Abijah. Okay, that's not the guy that we're looking at here who was a king of Judah. A little bit confusing, Abijah was the son of Jeroboam? That son died. We're looking at, uh, depending upon your Bible translation, it might be a bija or a Bijam. This is the son of Rehoboam. So Rehoboam and Jeroboam both had sons with very similar names. Uh, sort of the situation that we're in with people named John. You know, maybe this was a super common name in Israel. Everybody was Abijah. Abijah Smith was probably a super common name uh, in the nation of Israel at the time. So uh, just keep that that difference uh, clear in your mind. So uh, Rehoboam has passed away. He's now at rest. He slept with his fathers. He was buried. Uh, And now the person who was leading the southern kingdom of Israel is his son, and his name is Abijah. What we know about him as as, uh, the previous chapter of Kings wrapped up We know that his mother's name was Nama, and she was an Ammonite. And so, this was one of the nations that was, uh, the the people of Israel were called not to intermarry with the nation of Ammon back in the book of uh, Leviticus and Exodus. So, regardless, uh, Abijah is now king, and uh, we get details about when he became king. We get some relative dating in the 18th year. Of King Jeroboam's reign in the northern kingdom, that is the time when Abijah reigns in uh, the nation of Judah, the kingdom of Judah. His reign is relatively short um, we don 't exactly know the events that led to his death we don 't exactly know uh, when he took over the kingdom. but what we do know uh, is that the the immediate Status that were provided by the author of Kings was that the heart of Abijah was not wholly true to the Lord his God as David his father had been. Now David was not Abijah's father; he was he was back a little bit in time. But uh, uh, regardless, Abijah is of the family of David, and so David is his forefather, and that's sort of the the, the implication of uh, of what's happening here. Essentially, uh, Abijah seems to have allowed the nation of Israel to continue on a pattern and a pathway of idolatry. They uh, and um, Abijah would have been in a position to do something about this, but for whatever reason, Abijah chose not to. Now, it's interesting that we're continually directed back to David as being the standard by which the kings are evaluated. If you've studied the Bible you know that uh, David was the second king of the of the combined nation of Israel. And you probably remember that David was not perfect. Famously, uh, David murdered Uriah the Hittite and took his wife to be his own wife. And other, another error that David made in his reign was that David numbered the fighting men. And, and both of these events resulted in judgment and punishment at the hand of of the Lord. So, David wasn't perfect. So, when we're we're hearing this idea of David being wholehearted or his heart was not wholly true to the Lord, we we need to remind ourselves that the standard that God is applying here is not perfection. Uh, God is not asking David or Abijah or Rehoboam or Jeroboam to be perfect, but instead he's asking them to be wholehearted. Uh, I think one of the things that as we look back at David, as we look at uh, some of the times when David did make major mistakes in his life, David was very quick, not always, but David was always willing when confronted with his own sin to respond with confession, uh, to respond uh, and, and go back to the Lord and acknowledge that he had made a mistake, he had failed, and uh, he would then seek forgiveness from the Lord. Uh, if we look at uh, Psalm 51 uh, that uh, David David wrote, I need to flip back to it, but it's uh, I'll read the first couple of verses for you. I need, I need to flip forward to it. But in Psalm 51, after David was confronted with his sin with Bathsheba, David said, uh, and he, made, he put this in a public song for all of the nation to sing. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David was willing to lead the people in repentance. And this is one of the reasons that David was considered to be wholehearted. Uh, there was a big battle that occurred between Abijah and Jeroboam, and we read about that in 2 Chronicles 13, and for whatever reason, Abijah gets it right. He, uh, uh, it's an interesting situation. Abijah appears to be invading the northern kingdom. The place where the battle takes place is in land that would have been part of Jeroboam's kingdom, and Abijah is outnumbered. Uh, he had 4,000 men. And Jeroboam came out with 800,000 men, 400,000, 800,000, he's roughly two to one. And so, he's, he's outnumbered, uh, and in that moment, Abijah goes to the Lord, he trusts the Lord, he calls upon the Lord, uh, and he says, in, in uh, verse 4 of chapter 13 in 2 Chronicles, "'Hear me, O Jeroboam, and all Israel.'" ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship of Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt? And so, uh, in this moment, Abijah is claiming God's promises and the end result is that the Lord miraculously delivered the, the, the kingdom, the, the, the Judean army uh, was able to easily defeat Jeroboam's army because the Lord was working to destroy jeroboam's army and in fact this event uh led to the downfall of the uh, of, of Jeroboam in the land of israel and, and so um it, it's very interesting that even though Abijah had not done a good job in the day to day leading of of the nation of of Judah in this moment he did very well he he trusted the Lord and the Lord delivered. Uh, his enemy, into his hand. One of the things that we're going to see recurring throughout uh, the first king's commentary or the first king's narrative that we're reading is that these kings that we're reading about are going to end up resting with their ancestors, and that's the fate of Abijah in verse 8 of first kings 15. And Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his place. Uh, This notion of death being in God's kingdom, uh, his earthly kingdom, was something that was introduced way back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God's law. God's warning was that uh, disobedience would be met with death. And so, death was introduced, and death is still reigning. We saw it happen throughout the book of Genesis. If you have read that book, a lot of times what we'll see is this pattern of people living, they live for a long time, and then they die. And, And that pattern is still in place here. Death is still reigning on this earth. Um, Death and sin have not been stripped away uh, from the earth at this time. And we're going to see the end of the reigns of of many kings come. We're going to see, we see Abijah's death here. We're going to see Asa's death. Some of the deaths will be celebrated. You know, the evil King Ahab, when he finally is uh, killed and ousted in the land, in the nation of Israel, it is celebrated because he was so evil. And some of these kings will be mourned, David or Asa or Hezekiah, because they were such good leaders. But I think that the thing for us to remember is that as good of a king as David was, because death is reigning on this earth, David's kingdom could not last. David's kingdom had to come to an end because death reigns. Asa's kingdom had to come to an end, Hezekiah's kingdom had to come to an end, and uh, we will feel the, 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 the pain uh, and the transition as the nation moves from one king to another. And there's a part of our hearts that is longing for a kingdom that uh, would not end. And, and that is the kingdom that is promised as we look forward to Jesus Christ. Back to Abijah, I think the one thing we want to learn from his reign is that devotion to God is not a one-time event Devotion to God is not a one-time event. Uh, in 2012, maybe you've heard this song. There was a musician. Her name was Carly Ray Jepsen, and she released a song that was entitled Call Me Maybe. Um, Carly Ray is a one-hit wonder. She had one song and one song only where she just got everything right, you know, whether it was the lyrics or the, the chord progression or the, I don't know what it. Is about that song, but that song, even to this day, you know, 2012 it was released, and here we are, 10 years later. And when I'm in some public place that's playing music, every now and again, I will still hear Carly Rae Jepsen's song "Call Me Maybe." Come on to somebody's playlist. I imagine many of you have heard it too. It was super popularized by the Olympics, Uh, but but she's a one hit wonder it'd be difficult, you know, despite the success of this one song, it would be really hard to compare, you know, the musical history of Carly Ray to the Beatles or to U2 or to the Rolling Stones that have been making music for decades upon decades. Uh, and even though Abijah got it right one time, that was it. Uh, Abijah was a one-hit wonder. There was one time that he had an opportunity to follow the Lord and he, he did it, he got it right. But every other time that Abijah had to follow the Lord, it seems like he chose not to. And so, that's part of the reason why we're given the summary of Abijah's reign, that his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. Perhaps you can think in your story with the Lord that there is one act of faithfulness that you tend to always point back to and look to as evidence that you are following the Lord. You know, our BSF lessons do a good job of making us think about the ways that, you know, maybe we have been faithful or that we have walked in faith. And if you find yourself forever going back to that one mountaintop experience and saying, then, then I was faithful with the Lord. Friends, the challenge is to say, are we living like Abijah? Are we relying upon that one hit, that one moment in our life when when our faith was present uh, to carry us through our entire existence? Now, on the opposite side, perhaps you have one sin that you keep replaying in your mind again and again and again and again and it's not a one hit wonder it's a one tragedy wonder uh there's one failure there's one major mistake that you are remembering again and again uh as you in your journey with the lord uh both of those are a problem one act of faithfulness being remembered again and again and again as the evidence that we're following jesus and one sin that forever persists in our mind again and again and again is not what it looks like for us to follow the Lord. Devotion to the Lord, devotion to God is not a one-time event. And so, we need to seek forgiveness like David did uh, for that one sin. And you know, and we also need to seek that, that, that repeated action like David did of being able to show faithfulness throughout our lives. Let's go ahead and we're going to take a look at Asa. Uh, Abijah's reign was relatively short Asa's reign was relatively long. Both Abijah and Asa came to the beginning of their reigns during uh, Jeroboam's reign in the northern kingdom of Israel. So, we get that reminder in in 1 Kings 15 verse 9, in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa began to reign over Judah, and he reigned for 41 years. So, we're going to see Asa present as a king for many, many years in the southern kingdom, uh, and then we're eventually going to see a bunch of changes that happen in the north, but that'll be next week. Uh, Asa, like Abijah, has uh, this mountaintop battlefield experience that sort of begins that happens at some point early in his reign. Uh, we don't read about that necessarily. Uh, we can read a lot more about that in the in the in the book of Chronicles. I'm going to flip forward there. We can look at that there. We can we can see some of that. But if you look in Chronicles 15. Um, I'm sorry. It's in Chronicles 14. We're going to see that battlefield experience that Asa had. Uh, he wasn't fighting against Jeroboam, but instead he was fighting against people from the land of Cush. Perhaps your Bible translates that as being uh, as, as, as it being the Ethiopians. Um, but at any rate, there was uh, there were people that came. Zerah the Ethiopian or Zerah the Cushite came against uh, the the land of Judah with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. These are similar odds. If you do the math on Asa's army, 300,000 from Judah, 280,000 from Benjamin. He's got about 500,000 guys, and he's going against a million men. So this was a similar uh, type of battle from a standpoint of how outnumbered were the the two southern kings. Very similarly, uh, both Abijah and Asa, Asa were outnumbered about two to one. Uh, and what we're going to see is it, it's, it just has a different feel when we look at what Asa did. We look at Asa's response to this situation. Um, Asa prayed to the Lord, and this is in uh, verse eleven of chapter fifteen and fourteen in Second Chronicles. O Lord, there is none like you to help us between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely upon you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God, let not man prevail against you. Uh, I want to suggest to you that Asa's prayer is worth memorizing. You could sort of substitute out some of the things that he's praying for specifically, and you could put in your situation, Uh, and this is a great prayer for us to pray, that the Lord is our God. Let not man, let not uh, this this worldly system prevail against the Lord, Lord. There's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, for I rely upon you. Uh, it is a great prayer for us to pattern our prayers to God after. And what we see is that very similar to uh, Abijah, Asa's prayer is answered. God powerfully acts. And the the Ethiopian army seems to destroy themselves in front of the nation of, of Judah. Uh, Judah carries away much plunder, much spoil, uh, and they're able to massively rout the Cushites uh, and push them well out of the land. And uh, this was a, this was a huge blow for the Ethiopians. Um, they were a broken people because the Lord broke them, and uh, so this was a huge blow to the Cushites. A huge victory for the for the nation of Judah. And uh, what we see coming out of this is Asa is potentially at risk of being a one-hit wonder, uh, similar to uh, Abijah. But uh, what happens is that Asa continues in his faithful walk with the Lord. We read about uh, Azariah, the son of Obed, who comes and speaks a word of blessing, a word of encouragement to Asa. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so, we read about all of the things that Asa does to eliminate idol worship in the nation of Israel in an attempt to bring the people back to the worship of the one true God. He's destroying, uh, he's trying to go through and uh, destroy these these idols that would have been present. He has to deal with his own grandmother who had an Asher pole in his own household and uh, we see Asa attempting to do this. The, the author of Chronicles shows us that it, it wasn't perfect. Uh, it wasn't a perfect removal, but Asa went through and uh, wholeheartedly was following the Lord. And so, Asa is ultimately uh, given by, in Kings, he is given this, this uh, validation of wholeheartedly following God. But yet in Chronicles, as we go into Chronicles 16, we, we realize that there, there was a point in Asa's leadership in his later life where he failed. He failed uh, to wholeheartedly follow God. Uh, we, we, we read about this, there was a new king in the north, his name is Basha, and he built up the city of Ramah. And that might not make sense to us, but there was a main road through Judah and Israel. Uh, it connected Uh, Judah with all of the nations to the north of uh, the land of Israel. It was the main thoroughfare. And by fortifying Ramah, the northern kingdom and Basha were essentially controlling the people of movement and goods from the entire northern region down into the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, When a fortified city is there, it's like a toll booth or it's a gateway or it's, it's going to have control over the road and whatever goes across the road. And and so, uh, what Asa does in this situation is, you know, he he uh, he forgot his prayer. He forgot this great prayer that he had prayed when he was threatened by the Cushites. And instead, uh, Asa sought a political solution. Asa sent money. He sent a bribe to uh, the king of Syria. Uh, Syria was a kingdom that was on the northern border of the northern kingdom of Israel. So uh, to make it more local, we're in Missouri. I live in Missouri. Here we are in Missouri. But if the people in Iowa to the north of us began to threaten the city of Wayland, Wayland, Missouri, way up in the north, uh, I could enlist the help of the people even further north, the Minnesotans, to see if I get the Minnesotans to come down and attack Mason City or maybe Clear Lake, Iowa or Forest City to try and draw pressure away from me. And so, this worked. Asa's political solution worked, but Asa forgot to seek the Lord. Uh, Asa forgot the prayer that he had prayed and the way that God had delivered him from Zerah, the Ethiopian, from Zerah, the Cushite. And so, what we see is that there is a prophet, Hanani, who comes and uh, speaks a warning or a rebuke to uh, King Asa. I'm going to read just one part of that, but if we look at um, uh, Second Chronicles 16, uh, chapter 9, uh, "'For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars.'" Uh, Rather than seeking the Lord in forgiveness, rather than following the pattern that David had set of confessing uh, sin and seeking repentance, Asa became angry with the seer, and he put him in the stocks. He put him in prison. Asa was angry. There was a rage within him, uh, and Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of probably his own people at the same time uh, because of this word that was spoken against him. Uh, Asa stumbled in his uh, late life, much like Solomon did. But regardless, um, you know, the Lord is generous. The Lord is generous with his people and the way that Asa is remembered, despite his mistake in his later years, Asa is remembered as a king whose heart was uh, wholly devoted to the Lord. I think one of the things that we can tend to forget is that God is devoted to his people. God is devoted to his people. I don't know why this is the case, but many times in in movies, the protagonists often find themselves dangling off a cliff. You probably don't need to think very hard to come up with a movie where this has occurred. Uh, One of the movies that I was thinking about, the protagonists found themselves in this situation twice in one film. Uh, A lot of times in movies, the protagonists will find themselves dangling alone. And they are forced to rely upon their own strength and their own cunning, potentially, to get them off of the ledge. Most of the time, the, some other person is involved. Uh, you know, there's the, there's the person that is dangling, and then there's another person that is trying to hold on to the person that is dangling. And through combined strength, in mutual effort, the two people will overcome this challenge. I think Asa thought that he was by himself on the cliff, clinging, trying to deal with this situation with the northern kingdom, and he needed to solve his own problem, and he had a great idea. He used his own plan, his own intellect, and he, uh, he, he brought about a solution that did, in fact, work. But, you know, I think what I was reminded of is that as we follow God, it is nothing like the movies. Uh, When we're in danger, when we are in a situation where we feel like we are hanging from a cliff edge, we need to remind ourselves that the person that is holding us from falling is the Lord of the universe, and there is no way that he will ever let us fall. Um, We don't need to rely upon our own strength or our own cunning but what we need to do is look to the Lord and say, Lord, how how will you resolve this problem that I have with Ben-Hadad? Lord, how will you resolve this problem that I have with my neighbor? Lord, how will you resolve this problem that I have with the person that I work with? Uh, Lord, The Lord is not short of solutions, and he is not short on strength to deliver his people. The Lord is devoted to... The Lord was devoted to Asa, and the Lord is also devoted to his people. And so, the question for us is, what problem exists in your life that you're trying to resolve on your own, with your own plan, your own intellect, your own cunning, your own creativity? It is wonderful that we have these gifts, right? These were gifts that God gave to Asa, his intellect, his wealth. uh, And Asa wanted to use them in a way that did not consider the Lord first. Um, Perhaps, What we need to do is to take more time when we face a problem to pray and then to wait and to see what God might do to bring a solution. Uh, Another possibility is that you have stories to tell of ways that God has protected you as you have journeyed with him. Ways that God has been faithful time and time again, despite the fact that you have felt that many times that you were dangling from a cliff edge. Well, I I mentioned this earlier, and and I think that one of the situations that you and I are going to face as uh, people who are attempting to follow God is that we are going to find many situations when we are not fully devoted to the Lord. In my own walk, in my own story, I feel like this happens almost all the time. Um, Despite my best efforts, despite my desire uh, to do what is right before the Lord, Many times, my heart is not wholly devoted to him. Uh, And again, I'm going to go back to Psalm 51, back to David, uh, back to the example of a man who, uh, you know, David needed some reminding. David needed a little bit of a push to confess his sin. But um, when David confessed his sin, he, he, he put it into a song and said to the nation of Israel, I want you to sing this sing a song that reveals and reminds us of my sin, my confession, my repentance, and the Lord's forgiveness. Uh, You know, this is the beautiful thing about the Lord being devoted to his people. There is so much evidence in the Bible that God loves his people. He is willing to forgive. He is willing to restore uh, he, he is willing to let someone like Abijah, who just one time got it right, be able to turn in faithfulness to him and the Lord answered. Friends, what are we waiting for? Uh, what is the thing that we are waiting for? What is the reason that we have not returned and gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I have sinned. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. What is the thing that you and I can confess to the Lord as we As we leave uh, this place tonight, let me pray for us. Lord, uh, it is a privilege to think about your character that you wanted to display to Abijah and to Asa and by extension to us. Lord, I pray that we would be quicker to confess, uh, quicker to experience forgiveness, and uh, quicker, Lord, to be able to follow you as people who are not perfect, but wholehearted. Thank you, Lord, for Christ. We know that through him, uh, our sins can be truly removed. Uh, And Lord, I pray that we would be quick to bring those things to his feet so that we can be restored to you. pray all this in his name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. See you next time.